0: Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. This week on Talk Nation Radio, it is my great pleasure to welcome back Marjorie Cohn. Marjorie Cohn is Professor Emerita at Thomas Jefferson School of Law in San Diego former president of the National Lawyers Guild, deputy secretary general of the International Association of Democratic Lawyers, and like myself, a member of the National Advisory Board of Veterans for Peace. She writes frequent columns about human rights, US foreign policy, and the contradiction between the two. Her most recent book is Drones and Targeted Killing, Legal, Moral, and Geopolitical Issues. Her website is MarjorieCone.com. Dot com Marjorie welcome back to Talk nation Radio
1: Thanks for having me David.
0: So what has been happening with protests in the streets and militarized police and where do, where do courts of law come into it
1: Well, that's a tall order. Of course the public lynching of George Floyd led to massive uprisings of anti-racist anti, supremacy, anti-police brutality, anti-white supremacy, and anti-police brutality protests all over the country, hundreds of thousands of people, and indeed all over the world. And many of those protests are still going on, even though the corporate media is not covering them. And one of the places where they continue on a nightly basis is Portland, Oregon. And so in response... Um, to the protests in Portland and in other places. And I think, perhaps more significantly, uh, as part of a cynical strategy of Trump to be re-elected, he has cobbled together a secret paramilitary force, not the, not the U.S. military that has a duty to obey lawful orders, a duty to disobey unlawful orders. These are people who are not trained to do crowd control. Um, they are from... Customs and Border Protection, uh, who are used to roughing up and brutalizing in a racist manner immigrants, um, people from the Department of Homeland Security, and the U.S. Marshals. And they have invaded the city of Portland. They are snatching people off the streets. They're not wearing uniforms. So unidentified federal officials in unmarked vehicles, are snatching peaceful protesters off the streets, transporting them to unknown locations without informing them of why they're being arrested, later releasing them with no records of their arrest. And these uh, federal troops are lobbing chemical weapons and dangerous projectiles at protesters, journalists, and legal observers. Um, they don't want journalists recording what they're doing. They don't want legal observers from my organization, the National Lawyers Guild, witnessing what they're doing, and their actions violate at least four rights in the Constitution, the First Amendment, Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, and the Tenth Amendment. The, and there have been lawsuits filed, fortunately, to try to stop this activity to stop this law-breaking uh, and uh, to to uh, put in place injunctions against targeting uh, journalists and protesters and injunctions against the violence by the federal troops against the chemical weapons and against these dangerous projectiles that are injuring people. So, the first amendment protects the right to free speech and the right to freedom of the press. And that means the right to peaceably gather and express yourself. Uh, but the purpose of these federal goons is to discourage lawful protest, uh, which we call in the law an illegal prior restraint on the right to peacefully protest in this case, racial inequality. And this, this, uh, Driving by and snatching people off the street reminds me of the disappeared during the 70s and 80s in Latin America, where the U.S. government was enabling vicious dictatorships to basically kidnap people off the streets, disappear them, and they did it in broad daylight. And the reason is so that other it would send a message to other people that uh, this is going to happen to you, too, if you continue to express opposition to the government policies. Um, one of the lawsuits filed in this case, um, or, or in, in the Portland situation, was filed by the Oregon Department of Justice against the Department of Homeland Security and the U.S. Marshals. And in that lawsuit, they say, Ordinarily, a person exercising his right to walk through the streets of Portland who is confronted by anonymous men in military-type fatigues and ordered into an unmarked van can reasonably assume that he's being kidnapped and is the victim of a crime. And kidnapping by militia or other malfeasance dressed in paramilitary gear would trigger the lawful right of self-defense. And that's true. So what they're saying is that if people are snatched off the streets in these in by people who are not identified they're wearing camouflage um, they can defend themselves with force with lethal force and then um, there they, you know all hell will break loose um, so the first amendment is one of the violations that is alleged in these lawsuits uh another is the 4th amendment Fourth Amendment prohibits unreasonable searches and seizures, and by seizing protesters without a warrant or a lawful exception to the warrant requirement, that's a violation of the Fourth Amendment. So is the use of excessive force, um, people being targeted and brutalized by these chemical weapons and these uh, these projectiles. Then there's the Fifth Amendment prohibition against depriving a person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And so snatching people the way that uh, the plaintiff, Mark Pettibone, was snatched, who was accosted by armed men dressed in camouflage, removed from the street, forced into a van, driven through downtown to a building that was probably the Mark Hatfield U.S. courthouse. He was put in a cell, read his Miranda rights, but was never told why he was arrested, not given a lawyer, and later released with no record of the arrest. And uh, so there was no due process. He was not given uh, the right to answer to, of course, there were non-charges, but he was denied due process. And then the Tenth Amendment uh, says that powers not delegated to the feds are reserved to the states. So, not only has the mayor of Portland, who by the way got tear gassed last night when he was standing near the federal courthouse, um, he objected to these federal troops, so did the Oregon governor. Um, But uh, Trump is apparently using this executive order that he issued on June the 22nd to protect monuments and uh, statues. Um, And he says we have to go in and protect the federal property and we have to. Uh, you know, we have to help enforce the law. Well, uh, federal forces are supposedly there to protect federal property, but that's a minuscule area of Portland. And in another lawsuit filed filed on the 21st of July, by the Western State Center Public Benefit Corporation, the Unitarian Church, and two Oregon state representatives, Um, they said that these abductions occurred outside the jurisdiction of federal law enforcement. The people abducted were not attacking federal property or personnel. Um, They weren't on federal property at the time they were abducted. They were walking home on city streets after having peacefully protested. So there's also the jurisdictional issue um to to contend with as well but Trump doesn't seem too concerned about the law he consults people like John Yoo uh he, that's, that's the latest person he's consulting John Yoo is that infamous torture lawyer from the Bush administration who wrote memos uh justifying this program of massive torture and abuse of people in US custody and John Yoo wrote a piece in the National Review not too long ago basically saying the president can violate the law, um, and it'll take a couple of years to wend its way through the court, so it doesn't really matter. And now he is, uh, he is uh, advising Trump, which is very, very worrisome.
0: It is indeed. Uh, I should note for listeners that we are recording this on July 23rd, so reference to last night would be July 22nd, 2020. Marjorie Kona, I I wish we could go on for hours because I now have about a million questions. Uh, One of them is... Do Customs and Border Patrol and Department of Homeland Security and U.S. Marshals employees not have to disobey illegal orders? Uh, You you suggested that members of the U.S. military have to disobey illegal orders, but nobody else does?
1: Well, the Uniform Code of Military Justice, which covers service members in the military, um, says that there's a duty to obey lawful orders, and those are orders that comply with the Constitution or other federal laws. But the Army Field Manual and the Nuremberg Principles say that there is a concomitant duty to disobey unlawful orders. And after Trump sent uh, his National Guard into Washington, D.C., and in fact, some of them used chemical weapons and dangerous projectiles against peaceful protesters to clear the way for Trump's cynical photo op in front of the church with the Bible, there was such a backlash, such an outcry by 89 former defense officials and uh, military leaders and congresspersons, well there were 89 military defense officials, uh, but also congresspersons, and, and uh, there was a general outcry, and so he withdrew those troops, saying, well, uh, I can send them back wherever whenever I want. And the... Uh, what I figure, David, is that these uh, Customs and Border Protection agents and uh, Homeland Security agents, U.S. Marshals, are more loyal to Trump and are less constrained by rules that military service members have to operate under. Um, otherwise, why wouldn't he send in his federal troops the way he did um, in, in, in Washington, D.C.? Um, now, what happens i mean this is the this is the doomsday scenario, but i I think it's not all that unlikely. What happens if uh, Trump loses the election and uh, he's certainly very, very worried that he's going to lose the election, which is why he's staging this nixon like law and order campaign uh, targeting cities with democratic mayors, large populations of black and brown people. Um, so that he can create chaos and then come in on his white horse and say, oh, we, we uh, created law and order, we established law and order. So what happens if his, uh, if his strategy doesn't work and all of his massive voter suppression doesn't work and he loses the election? Um, he told Chris Wallace on Fox News Sunday when he was asked whether he'll accept the results of the election, Trump said, I have to see I have to see. Who has to see? You either accept it. Um, And so what if he declares martial law and calls out the troops to protect him and keep him in the White House illegally? I suspect that many of those troops, if they're military members, will disobey those orders. Our organization, Veterans for Peace, uh, put out a call when Trump was sending his troops into Washington D.C. to disobey unlawful orders, and uh, so maybe this is—you know—he's cobbling together these federal his federal goon squad um, to test it out and see how it works, so that he can use it when he declares martial law. Hopefully, that won't happen, but it—it's uh, not with, its within the realm of possibility with him.
0: It's an interesting dilemma because I'm of the opinion that there was significant evidence that Al Gore had an election blatantly stolen from him by a Supreme Court, and that John Kerry did too, and that Hillary Clinton did too, and arguably Bernie Sanders in at least one primary, and I'm not sure any of them should have accepted uh, those results or declared beforehand they would accept any results. Uh, I'm not aware of any organized effort to steal an election from Donald Trump, quite the opposite, uh, but... Uh, uh, I don't know. Do you? Uh, I don't know what you can demand of him, or more importantly, what you could demand of his opponents, uh, who seem uh, quite inclined to allow elections to be stolen from them.
1: Well, what you say when you're asked a question like that is, "I will accept the will of the voters." That's what you say. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, that kind of covers it, but he's, you know, he's a reality TV show. I don't want to say a star, because he was never really a star, um, but he loves to, to, you know, you'll see, I'm not going to tell you yet, you know, the whole thing is political theater with him. And uh, and I think this is more of the same, but the way he has been behaving and the way and uh, one of the reasons, I think one of the most significant reasons why his poll numbers are falling, assuming you can believe the polls, but they seem pretty consistent, is his criminal, I don't want to just say negligent because it's really criminal mismanagement of the pandemic, um, being in denial for months. And then when he came out of denial, um, he actually has stymied efforts to effectively um get it under control and and uh, and end it in the United States which is why we're you know the the world leader in infections and deaths now um you know taking the statistic keeping uh job away from the CDC the Center for Disease Control and putting it in the White House do we trust the White House to keep these statistics I don't think so and a lot of people are suffering a lot of people are suffering and they're blaming him now i don't know about his his loyal base who you know he could do pretty much anything and they're going to stick with him because um he really appeals to their ugly racist uh t- worst t- tendencies um but there are many people i think who have been on the fence perhaps independents uh you know soft republicans i don't know who all Um, who are not happy at all with what he's doing. Now, there are a lot of libertarians who you are not going to tell me I have to wear a mask. Of course, they do put on pants when they go out in public and they, you know, don't drink and drive. At least they they accept these laws. Um, But I really think that his uh, criminal mishandling of of the pandemic has hurt him. It's hurt the economy. And then his response to the uh, anti-white supremacy protests, which are supported by a majority of the country. A majority of the country supports the the movement for black lives, which is is really phenomenal. Um, And that is since the public lynching of of George Floyd was was witnessed uh, by so many people.
0: Yeah. Marjorie Cohn, I remember all the great work that you did and so many other people did trying to move forward on impeachment when George W. Bush and Dick Cheney were in office uh, and the the long list of abuses uh, and, and outrages they committed. But the two to- just the two topics we've talked about already uh, today, the, the use of force in, in the United States and, and the, the criminal negligence on a disease pandemic, when you put that together, together with the usual outrages of of wars and the the new abuses of immigrants and the instigation of racist violence openly and the financial profiteering and the false emergencies and the abuse of the pardon power and on and on and on this this guy makes uh makes George W Bush uh not not quite uh not quite the uh the worst president seen as as we were saying at the time right if you if you don't hold these people responsible worse will come
1: Well, you know, there's a daily outrage from Trump, and I think that he has uh, made more people's lives miserable around the world than anyone in recent history. Now, that doesn't mean that George W. Bush is not a war criminal. Uh, He started two illegal wars where upwards of a million people have been killed and people are still being killed. Um, and uh, you know tortured people and destroyed the you know the the countries of Iraq and Afghanistan there is still tremendous instability there so i don't want to uh i don't want to try to paint a rosy picture of george w bush no um, please please but don't he <laughs> <did> n- <laughs> the breadth of what he did uh and i don't want it to not in terms of the number of people killed and and uh, the the havoc that he wreaked but what george what what uh, donald trump is doing really takes us to a new level of outrage, I think. And so in that, in that sense, I do agree with you, David.
0: What can, uh, what can states like Oregon and cities like Portland and, and elsewhere do? What can district attorneys like the one in Philadelphia who's talking about uh, resisting uh, these sorts of abuses do? And, and what can and should Congress be doing?
1: Well, that's a good question. Um, There are lawsuits that have been filed, the one by the Oregon Department of Justice. There's one by the ACLU to protect journalists and legal observers who have been targeted. Um, And uh, there is one that was filed on, I guess I did talk about the one on the 21st of July. There's one that was filed on the 22nd of July by the ACLU suing Portland and federal law enforcement for targeting medics. Medics who are are, are administering uh, first aid, medical attention to, to protesters who have been injured and the medics themselves are being targeted. Um, so there are these lawsuits that are being filed. Um, also, on July the 21st, the House of Representatives approved an amendment to the Insurrection Act. And let me just, uh, before I talk about the amendment, I'll tell you what the Insurrection Act is um, it's, it it uh, allows the president to deploy the military on U.S. soil um, in some some instances. The most common is when the governor of a state asks the president for assistance to put down an insurrection against the government. Um, That was used in 1992 when California Governor Pete Wilson asked President George H.W. Bush to deploy federal troops to suppress the uprising after the officers who beat Rodney King were acquitted in their state trial. Um, And then there is a section that has been used. It was enacted after the Civil War to ensure that southern states enforce the federal rights of blacks. Um, It was used in 1962 and 1963 by President Kennedy to send federal troops to Alabama and Mississippi to enforce civil rights laws. And President Johnson used it in 1965 to protect civil rights demonstrators from police violence during the march from Selma to Montgomery. But there is a section, and I think that's the section, although Trump has not invoked it, I think he will. Uh, Stay tuned. And that says... When the president considers, so it's a subjective consideration on the part of Trump, when the president considers that unlawful obstructions, combinations, or assemblages, or rebellion against the authority of the United States, make it impracticable, that means impractical to enforce the laws of the United States in any state by the ordinary course of judicial proceedings. And that is likely what he will rely on. So what the House of Representatives did, and it was largely Democrats, one Republican joined them, um, was to approve an amendment to the Insurrection Act, which would require that the president consult with Congress before deploying federal troops to U.S. cities. And it compels the administration to certify to Congress with demonstrable evidence that local authorities are unable or unwilling to quell the violence, and it would forbid federal troops from conducting searches, seizures, arrests, or other similar activity unless otherwise expressly authorized by law. Now, will that pass the Republican-controlled Senate? Probably not um but that would rein in um that would rein in this this provision that uh, gives trump subjective authority to bring us troops um onto, uh, onto uh, state soil and you have um you have governors well uh, particularly mayors of these cities and we're talking about chicago next and then um albuquerque Uh, Philadelphia, Detroit, New York, Baltimore, Oakland, they're on his list, Um, and they are not going to agree um, that that, uh, he send these federal troops. Now, that's not to say that local law enforcement in those cities and in other cities don't work um, in conjunction with, in a cooperative sense, with um, federal troops to do things like enforce drug laws and, and other criminal laws, but this is very different. It's like a federal invasion um, of these uh, these secret paramilitary, um, and uh, and and the mayors of these cities are just not having any part of it. The
0: uh... The amendment that you refer to passed by the House in Congress seems like a good step. At the same time, it seems that the Congress is funding the military, funding the Department of Homeland Security, allowing the Pentagon to arm local police departments, not yet banning qualified immunity uh, for the police. Uh, It it seems that, uh, that the Congress could be Uh, doing a lot more. Uh, There's, you know, buckets of money for the military on top of the military bill to come in the next uh, supposed response to the coronavirus crisis out of the Congress. Uh, It it seems like we have a long way to go.
1: I agree. And you have Democrats as well as Republicans that uh, vote for the military budget, huge military budget. Uh, And and then at the same time, people in Congress say, we don't have money for... uh, for healthcare and education and infrastructure, um, but there is a difference, I think, between Republicans and Democrats. And the Democrats have passed a number of bills, just over 200 bills, that Mitch McConnell has uh, has sat on, um, and uh, and and you know. So this, for example, qualified immunity. There has been a bill proposed to abolish qualified immunity by by Democrats. Um, qualified immunity, by the way. Um, Let's police off scot-free when they violate people's rights. So, um, for example, if a police officer uses excessive force, but the particular tactic or technique that he or she uses is not clearly established in case law as being prohibited, then that police officer can cite qualified immunity as a defense and say and get off free and, yeah. and uh, get, get away with it. And this is something that has come up during the Black Lives Matter protests um, when uh, police brutality has been front and center in, in, uh, in the national discourse. And there is one Republican proposal to water down the qualified immunity defense, uh, but it, it doesn't look like it's going anywhere either. Um, so there is a difference. But in terms of the military spending, the Democrats, most of them are as bad as the Republicans in uh, just throwing buckets of money Uh, at the military and and at defense contractors who are reaping windfall profits, of course, as they always do.
0: Yep, 60% in the House uh, Democrats and uh, 50% in the Senate Democrats compared to fewer than 20% of self-identified Democrats around the country who want the spending to continue for the military. Marjorie Cohn, with just a couple of minutes left, I was interested in your comment about the disappeared in Latin America. I mean, I've been hearing comments uh, since that scene in Lafayette Square with the troops that this is something that's more appropriate for abuse of foreigners by the U.S. military far from here. This is not something that the U.S. military should be doing within the United States. It should only be abusing other people. Uh, it, it, is is there is there perhaps a lesson that some are failing yet to learn from this experience?
1: Well, they should, of course. I, I know you're talking tongue in cheek, and they shouldn't be abusing people in any country. Um, the the way that the Bush administration, the Obama administration, the Trump administration have gone after so-called terrorists, Obama using drones, deadly dr- drones, uh, killer drones in seven different countries, killing untold numbers of people, innocent people. Um, is it, It's not okay to do it in other countries, but when it comes home, when the chickens come home to roost and it's done in our country, many people say, well, it's okay to do it uh, you know, over there to those people, most of whom aren't white, by the way, um, but they can't do it here. And I think this is really opening people's eyes about... The brutality of the system and uh, and the police, yes. and leading to calls uh, for calls to defund the police. Um, I, I, and uh, I, I really think that uh, these Black Lives Matter protests um, and, and you know not just black people in the streets. I mean they're really. Uh, integrated with whites and, and just, you know, people of all different racial backgrounds and ages. It's,
0: um, it's, 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 it has
1: changed things in a way that we're not going to go back to the way it was.
0: I hope um, that's I, right. I wish we could go on for hours and hours. The website is com. We've been speaking with Marjorie Cone. Thank you very, very much for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thank you so much for having me, David. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. Read or listen to today's Peace Almanac entry at peacealmanac.org. All past shows can be heard at talknationradio.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is supported by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.